Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I am Kyle and I have my co-host here, Uh-oh, Darcy. I was like, am I not in the view? <laughs> <laughs> I just got switched the camera there. We ain't fancy enough to have the little purse on the side in the camera, so I got to do it all myself. Okay. Let me drive people crazy here real quick. No, Woo! no, no. You're driving me crazy. <laughs> That is my job, wasn't it? Like, most part of the vows. Yes, you succeed very so well. death do you part, and if you could desire that event, it's even better. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> Need to stick to quality management, not marriage yes, counseling? Yes, <laughs> Okay. All right, so what are we talking about today? Okay, so first of all, I do want to say that um, we are batch recording. Yes. I do not wear the same clothes every day. <laughs> Although, Kyle, if you're watching it on YouTube, you'll know. Pajamas all day, every day, if she had the choice. If I could, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, now we live on a farm and I have to keep real clothes on longer than I used to because I'm always going to have to go out and feed the horses. Yeah, pajamas not real good with horses. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Nope. But Kyle does wear the same thing every day. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Same thing. Every day I got like. What, like six of these shirts, yes. identical, identical pair of jeans. Like, oh, it's easy. Love mm-hmm. it. Standardization yeah. is awesome. He lives and breathes the quality. <laughs> <laughs> we say it all the time. Okay. So, on our last episode, depending mm-hmm. on how you release these, I assume it was our last yeah, episode. Probably go in order. We, we talked yeah. about if, but it doesn't make sense. I didn't do it in order. <laughs> we talked about um, how we wanted to talk about the, clauses in the 9001 standard that tend to have the most findings, mm-hmm. whether it be observation, minor or major. Correct. Um, and the only data we have for that are the audits that we perform ourselves. Correct. As so, Texas and, Quality Assurance, yes. not myself. I don't do any of the audits. Y'all, <laughs> y'all would not like that very much. So we got through most of them. Yep. Except for one. 10.2. That Kyle is just, oh, he's dying to talk about. Yes. Okay. I may sit over here with glazed eyes. <laughs> so let's go do have a little bit of history lesson first. And I know I've talked about this in the past. Talk about it again. And I'm going to talk about it as long as I keep seeing issues with it. I'm just going to drink my coffee. Okay. Oh, before you get too far into it, can you I just say this way if you want people to see you on the other camera? I, I don't. Ooh, that's just you. <laughs> right, you're just on this one. I'm okay. Out. Okay. No, get in. People don't think this is funny. This is too much. Okay. Okay. So um, we always have a little quote on our, um, you got to put it on me so they can see. Okay. We have a little quote up there. Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Okay. Um, this time I did not put who said the quote. Ah, so what's the quote? Um, I think it says, I choose a lazy person to do a hard job because the lazy person will find an easy way to do it. I agree with that. So find out who said it and tell us if you find it. Okay. Wouldn't they get if they do? Well, I don't know. I was going to tell you, you get one of our coffee mugs, but we're not sure that we have any more to I give away. a whole lot left, but they're really nice, you know. So email us and find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so little history lesson here. 
in the 2008 edition of ISO 9001, we had a clause for nonconformance reporting with a clause for preventative actions with a clause for corrective actions. Seems we hit everything well. We have nonconformance when something goes wrong. We handle the immediate issues that come up. We take immediate action, containment, different verbs for this. And then we move on. The issue happens, we handle it, we move on. That's so it. I thought a nonconformance requires a corrective action report. Nope. 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 So nope, all nope. on the if you have a nonconformance on that same nonconformance report, you can say, here was the problem and here's how we fixed it. Even not even fixed it. Here's how we dealt with it. Maybe you just said, Yeah, that happened. That sucks. We recorded it happened. Move on. Okay. There can be a certain amount of that that's that's doable. Think about it like at home. All right. If every single time a child back talked to you, Ugh. you put some disciplinary system in place, he would be grounded till he's 342. I you feel can... like you're speaking about one of our children in particular <laughs> and one of their parents in particular. Maybe. <laughs> so if on the other hand, we were, again, I'm not suggesting actually do this at home, although I would be kind of interested with the results if anyone wanted to. I'd be really interested. But if, on the other hand, every single time you had a nonconformity with their behavior and their tone, and not that teenagers ever do this, mm -mm, mm -mm. but you were to record it. And then at the end of the week, we could sit down and say, son, let's evaluate your behavior this or week. Or daughter. Or daughter. In this case, I'll say son. <laughs> And if we were to evaluate your behavior this week, well, it appears you had 13 nonconformances for a snarky tone. And it seems you had two nonconformances for not feeding the animals in time. And you had three nonconformances for bad grades. Okay, well, how's this compared to last week? How's this compared to the week before? And then you can make an educated decision as to what the appropriate correction is. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't know the appropriate correction until you have enough time to analyze the events, to identify a trend, to identify proper root causes. Maybe this week was a real bad week for some reason we don't yet know. I'm kind of for this. I am too. I'm like, seriously. Like it's, it's, I'm kind of like, let's make a little graph and get it going. Okay. But again, <laughs> the data from that one week is interesting, but ultimately Not enough. useless. Mm -hmm. You have to have it as a trend over time. And then if you have a trend, why did that trend exist? Maybe... So how does that relate to 10.2? Okay. That's what 10.2 is about. The nonconformance clause 8.7 is all about collecting the data of any nonconformity. Okay. And maybe do something about it immediately. In the case of a child, maybe it's stop yelling at your sister. He stops yelling at his sister. Life's good. Move on. Okay. Same thing at work. But do we? Oh, we did record it. We recorded it to collect the data, and we recorded that the disposition was to rework his behavior. Okay. We told him try that again. Ask that as a question this time. Okay. Ask that without the attitude. Same thing at work. Uh, we we grind that weld and redo it. It's a rework. Rework it. Document you reworked it. How much time do you spend reworking it? All the type of stuff. Okay. So that's nonconformances. Pretty straight and simple. Ten point two is. I'm tired of this occurring and I want to make certain it never occurs again or at least mitigate the potential for it to ever occur again. Okay. That is corrective action. You will notice that in the 2015 edition of the standard, there is no reference to preventative action. They totally removed it from the standard. 
which confuses the mess out of some of our API clients because API Q1 has an explicit requirement for preventative action. So it's like, how are you going to integrate 9001 and API Q1? And then you start coming up with all these weird ways to do it. No, stuff simple. Corrective action and preventative action in the 2008 edition of the standard are almost identical. Slight verbiage differences. So in the old edition of the standard, preventative action had a potential nonconformity and a corrective action had a known nonconformity. Okay. Potential action had a pot root cause of the potential nonconformity. Corrective action has a root cause of the known nonconformity. That's the only difference. Okay. Either we know something happened that needs to be prevented, or we know something bad might happen that needs to be prevented. That's the only difference in corrective preventative actions. And a lot of folks get kind of tied up on it when we talk about corrective action. Like, okay, well, that's corrective action. Well, what's the preventative action for it? I'm like, no, they're the same. You've got NCRs documenting something went bad, and we did something immediately for it. Mm -hmm. And then move on. Just document it, move on. Corrective action says we know something happened, and we want to stop it from happening again, which is the prevention. But corrective action is more like we know this happened lots of times could be lots of times or one big this nasty one really bad up. thing like, happened oh my gosh and i don't want it to happen Correct. again Correct. okay so at home um one child beats up another we're not waiting on a trend to occur there mm -hmm. this has to stop mm -hmm. same thing at work there are gonna be certain issues and you're like well kyle what's the criteria for it make a good business decision is the criteria and so you're saying within the corrective action because we've documented the data for the non-conformance mm -hmm. we don't want this to happen again so here's how we're going to keep it from happening correct. again which is the preventative side of it correct so a non-conformance is something broke and i fixed it or i documented it a corrective action is something broke and i fixed it and documented it and then i prevented it from occurring again okay. or something might break and i stopped it from ever happening to begin with Kind of like when we got the little above ground pool, the first thing I did was put a net around it so that our dog couldn't get up there and claw it to pieces. <laughs> Preventative action, because I know it's really, really, really likely that the dog's going to jump up there and claw the sides of it. Right. That's preventative action. Do I need to wait for the dog to screw up the pool to do anything about it? No. <laughs> I'm going to do that today because I know how likely it is. But that's it. That's corrective action. It's, it's not terribly complicated. The problem you run into is with the new verbiage of the standard, a lot of consultants tried to put nonconformance and corrective actions into the same form and make them the same process. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so appealing. I mean, what, again, using the parent analogy, because I think probably a lot of our listeners at this point are probably parents or at least uh you know people who are parents are. who have complained about their kids yes because <laughs> if you're a parent you complain about yes. your kids or watch this sitcom with kids in it right? right so it's an example people can get i think every parent loves the idea of i wish my child would just never do that one bad behavior ever again and i want to prevent it from ever occurring again but imagine how much firefighting mode you're going to be in trying to prevent every bad behavior from ever reoccurring so you do kind of have to wait for the ones that are worth the time and effort to do it. And imagine how long your official rule list at home is going to be if that's the case. Mm -hmm. Same type of thing at work. If you put a corrective action in place for everything, what if the reason that happened is because someone came to work hungover today? Do I need to change my process and account for the likelihood of people coming to work hungover? Or do I just need to fire the hungover people? Mm. 
Well, in the I mean, farm, I guess at least some people them. could argue that that's your corrective action, right? You could. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. But I have seen other people where they put additional checks in place. So that even if someone came to work hungover and did some stupid stuff, someone else is going to check it. And then someone else is going to check that that got checked. Okay. And it's like, that does work. But maybe it would also work just to say, don't come to work hungover. Maybe that's a right, good Right, but do you have to document that? You do. You would document in a non-conformance <laughs> report. You came in hungover. I mean, you screwed really, up something. Have you seen that in somebody's quality management system? Like, don't come to work hungover? Has that been I've in done it. Really? I ha that has been documented on a piece of paper. Yes. For a company. Yes. Don't come to work hungover. Yes. When I was a quality manager, a safety manager. Yes. Let me tell you. Because it happened enough times you had to do that. Yes. Yes. And how you, did y'all enforce it? We wrote it up as an HR procedure that basically, I, I can't remember the verbiage on it, but we said, you know, you have to be of sound state of mind and, okay. you know, free of inebriating and intoxicating substances. And like, we had to word it nicely. I don't remember exactly how we did it, but we had to I do I want to know. I want to know if you are out there and you are a quality manager and something along those lines is in your quality management what do you call it manual yeah it depends you probably have uh, a procedure for it but yeah if you have something like that documented i want to know <laughs> yeah it's um but don't email me email kyle because he'll understand it and i won't <laughs> and then he can tell me about it <laughs> no it's, it's well it is it's stuff you kind of gotta gotta think about and worry about and very unfortunately but i mean it's it's true so again how am I going to mitigate the risk? Again, using a silly example here, but silly examples are good. How am I going to mitigate the risk of a hungover person coming to work and screwing stuff up? Mm -hmm. Well, firing one of them is probably going to set a good example for the rest. And especially if it becomes a safety issue, you know what? You come to work hungover, you get on a forklift, you deserve to get fired. I'm sorry. You should have called in right. sick that day and had your pay docked instead. Mm -hmm. Right? We're not going to do stupid stuff like that. Um, so... How are you going to mitigate it? There are multiple ways to mitigate something. The most complicated way is the easiest way to do it, which, again, is why corrective actions should not occur nearly as frequently as a non-conformance report does. Um, again, Deming talked about uh, Edward Deming, father of modern quality management, talks about this a lot, this idea of tampering, because you should issue a corrective action for what they call a common cause, not a specific cause. So what I mean by that, there are certain common causes let's say um you know we talk about feeding the animals okay the uh house gets muddy fairly frequently right yes okay yes was my answer in case yes. you didn't so the, it was a very exasperated sigh of a yes so the house gets muddy fairly frequently all right well can we correct the issue with the house getting muddy Probably. Some of it, yes. Some of it, no. So part of the yes is it rains and it's we go out to the barn mm -hmm. where the horses are. You, you can't stop it from getting muddy outside. So we cannot do anything to eliminate the muddiness. And it's very important. I know, again, silly examples, um, but you have to identify what you can and what you cannot control. We cannot control the level of muddiness. OK, so there's no sense in even trying. So then the problem is that the mud gets tracked inside. Well, what are some opportunities for improvement for the mud getting tracked inside? So in this case, what we did is fine. You change to your mud boots before you go outside and we keep those in the laundry room right by the back door. That does mean we have what's called a residual risk. So while if 
everyone follows the same process <laughs> to change boots before and after if. before and after coming in, which that is enforced by repeat training in education. Maybe you have to randomly once a month talk about the importance of this going forward. Maybe that is part of our mitigation. But then we still have some residual risk because we're not going to change boots outside. We're going to change boots inside. So that means the rugs are by the back door, get muddy all the time. But that is an acceptable residual risk. Okay. Okay. Now, on the other hand, if we were to create a rule every single time any mud got brought in, I brought mud in today, non-conformance, corrective action. Eli brought mud in. Jesse brought mud in. Katie brought mud in. We've got five different people. Now I'll throw the dog into the mix. <laughs> we got six times mud got brought in today. Do we need six corrective actions or one? Okay. We That's... just need one. Yeah. So if you do a corrective action each time you have a non-conformance, you're going to drive your people completely, completely bonkers. So we've got corrective actions. They fall in two categories. You'll hear me use the term uh, car. But let's let's go back to the mud thing. Okay. Then. So you're talking about corrective actions. So if I say mud got brought in, mud got brought in, am I documenting that as a nonconformance every time the mud gets come in so that then I can analyze the data and see how many times mud got brought in so that I know I need to write a corrective action for it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And and you could get a lot more fun data with that as well. So let's see we're doing the mud thing. We know this is a repeat issue. Okay. Well, let's collect enough data that we can analyze it later. Makes more sense about it. The mud got brought in. Which employee brought in the mud most frequently? Who brought in the mud each time? Shall I answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> um, what time of day did it occur in? Maybe. The, Shall I answer that question? <laughs> maybe the AM feeding's worse than the PM feeding. Well, anything you answer right now is anecdotal because you have no evidence to support your conclusion. I do. I've been analyzing it in my head. <laughs> that's anecdotal. <laughs> yes, that's anecdotal. Okay. Um, is it morning or evening that it occurs? Um, perhaps there's a day of the week that it occurs more frequently on. I don't know. But once you have enough data analyzed, it can be really telling. So in the meantime, you're issuing a non-conformance report and you have to do something about it immediately. Maybe we say, except as is, gathering data for future analysis. Okay. As okay. long as it's not presenting a, a, a risk to bad product going out the door today, then okay, fine. So you don't necessarily have to address a nonconformance right away. Mm -mm. You can just say collecting data, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll handle it later. And this is where risk-based thinking comes into play is maybe we're saying, hey, we're just collecting data on this um, because we know the risk to the final conformity to products and services is low. Okay, it's not going to mess up something. We've got additional checks. It's going to get checked before it goes out the door. And for a short period of time, we're just going to accept that these bad things are happening and document each time they do because we know we've got better inspection processes down the road so the bad product's not going to get out the door. Well, you just assess the risk. Mm -hmm. You just thought about risk and making your business decisions. That's really the heart of risk-based thinking. Um, so, yeah, you just collect analyzed data. Collect analyzed data. Collect analyzed data. Okay. Review it. What's the best way to stop this from happening? How can I mitigate? Mitigate a risk means to reduce the frequency, likelihood, severity of it occurring again. Doesn't mean it no longer, there is no longer any risk. We've done the best you can to mitigate it. Probably part of that mitigation is ongoing training for some period of time, maybe forever, maybe for a month, maybe for six months, but you define it and you try it. Is, is payback an acceptable corrective action? 
because I'm just saying, like, I sometimes tell the kids, I can't wait till you have your own house so I can go shove trash in the couch cushions <laughs> like you do at my house. Is that acceptable? So. I don't I don't think so. Okay. But but that could be construed as education and training, which is a pretty common disposition code. I like that. Yeah. Education and training is sometimes good. Mm-hmm. And now that does mean you probably need to show me a sign-in sheet where you talk to someone about this topic and you get them to put their name on a piece of paper that they listen to it. Okay. We might not have a lot of sign-in sheets at home. <laughs> I think that goes back to driving people crazy yeah. with too many things to do. A little bit. So I guess this episode wasn't as long as you wanted, and it didn't take as long as you wanted because you like to make things simple. Yeah, it is. Now, I do want to spend some time. Um, I, I've not finished it yet, but I've got kind of a little how-to helpful document I'm working on where I want to go through all of these basic quality forms because mm-hmm. it does get confusing. So we've got NCR corrective action pretty well nailed down, but then you get some weird situations like what if we're making a change to an existing design? Well, that's where you have what they call um, ECNs, engineering change notifications. There's a few varieties of the names that people use there, but we issue an ECN when it's design change. But here's the question. Did we do an ECN because we came up with a great new idea? Did we do an ECN because our customer wanted something different and we're meeting customer requirements and mm-hmm. customer requests? Or did we do it because we found we screwed up something in the original design? That question will determine if we're doing an ECN or a corrective action. Okay. Corrective action has to be tied to a known or potential nonconformity. ECN is a part of your design process. And mistakes in design aren't supposed to be a part of your design process. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) And then same thing you get what they call management of change. Let's say we're putting in a new um, ERP for our business, real common type reason for a change. Maybe we're moving to a new facility or we're adding a new product line. You're making a lot of changes, but none of those changes are directly correlated to a nonconformance or potential nonconformance. It's all you know, improvement in nature or new stuff. Yeah. Um, Management of change is a great way to go about it. You want to document the changes, how they got addressed, make sure the changes worked. Um, But we wouldn't necessarily use a corrective action report for it. Um, Here's the weird caveat, though. You could use a corrective action for all of those things. (laughs) So it gets a little it, it can get confusing about, well, when do I use which form? And so what I like to the way I like to narrow it down is if you are using all of these quality management forms, which the only two you have to have are NCRs and CARs. Mm-hmm. But if you are using these additional quality management forms, just ask yourself, am I making this change because of a known or likely nonconformance? If the answer is no, EC and MOC all day, I don't really care. Okay. So you said you're working on this document. To kind mm-hmm. of explain the difference between all the forms, is that going to be available publicly? Yes, I want to record a podcast episode talking about it, and then I'll, I'm going to put the link up there. Okay. So we'll have all of that out probably a month, six weeks. Okay. Just because the way we record these things, even if I finish it tomorrow, probably won't be out for a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. But um, if you're on LinkedIn, follow us on LinkedIn. I'll probably post uh, post a link to it up there too. Okay. Cool. Sounds so, good. That is, I guess, all we got today. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, share. This stuff really is important. We don't have anyone 
paying us for this podcast. We have no sponsors. We, we just like to do it because it's fun to do. It's fun to talk about. Well, he speaks for himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, again, like I really think we put a lot of useful information here. And I know I agree. how not that I'm the most entertaining person in the world, but I know how mind-numbingly boring a lot of what we do is to most folks. And the key is, and I say it all the time, you make it simple for people to understand and know what to do. Yep. So thank you guys. Y'all take care.